You're listening to a fresh new podcast on healing, spiritual development, nutrition, energy work, and sometimes aliens. From the owner of the celebrity acclaimed Raw Republic Juice Bar and Wellness Center in New Orleans, Louisiana, Sheena Manina. Yes, that's her real name. This is Raw Talk with Sheena. Hello. Hello, Danielle, and welcome to Raw Talk with Sheena. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So I'm so excited, everyone. I want to do a brief introduction of my guest today. Her name is Danielle Beinstein, and I found you this week. (laughs) So serendipitously perfect to, uh, let's see, plant right in the middle of the middle of my Saturn return is the time Mm -hmm. in which I found you. And, um, I had a I had a session with Danielle, everyone, and we have so much to talk about because it's her work is so much more than astrology, even though that's the title of this uh, podcast. Because I know that everyone is interested in it and just kind of gaining traction on how it can be used spiritually and how it can be used to program and um, predict. But Danielle, you are so interesting to me because you have that kind of full spectrum perspective of astrology. And so that's what that's where I want to start today. So just give us kind of how you what inspired you specifically to get involved in the practice and the work of what we deem to be like astrological work. Well, it's really, it found me, is what I like to say. So I, um, I grew up in Manhattan in a, um, in a pretty uh, driven atmosphere, right? I went to prep school. The idea was that I, um, I had to achieve, that I was sort of on an academic track, probably um, headed to law school. Hmm. Uh, I was a philosophy, part philosophy major undergrad, uh, created my own major in literature and philosophy and social history. And I was always interested in politics and, and, but I always felt kind of different and just, um, I not quite understood. And so when I was a freshman in college, I stumbled upon this book, which most people have seen. It's the big book of birthdays. It's like this tome. And I have it underneath my computer, (laughs) which is holding my recording equipment right now. That's hilarious. That is so So weird. So I found that and I looked up my not knowing anything about astrology other than I was a Virgo. And so I looked my birthday up and I was like, this is uncanny. Um, I was 19. I was like, how? Just the correct, earth- the correctness. Yes. I was like, how is this accurate? This is crazy. Yeah. And so I read a couple other days and I was like, these days don't resonate as much. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this, this is accurate. And I said, that was so strange. And so that started my interest. I started to peel back the layers of what um, astrology meant. And then being a person who was always interested in psychology and always interested in human behavior, I was always interested, like even in my philosophy class, I was like, well, who was Nietzsche? Like mm-hmm. a human being, like what, why would he have this philosophy? Like I was always interested in the, um, psychological perspective that would lead one to have a certain lens or perspective on the world though I couldn't quite articulate it at the time. And, So I kind of started studying it on my own. And then I continued on the track that I 
was going to go on. I, I worked for a presidential campaign in New York after college, and then I worked at Scholastic, and then I moved to Los Angeles and got involved in media and always studying astrology, always kind of doing readings on the side, not not being paid for them, but just sort of um, Do you looking think up every person I know. Yeah. Do you think it was it was more about you wanting to provide a service or like a some some sort of like healing insight to people that you were connecting to, or do you think it was kind of about um, more of your understanding of the world? It was definitely to start my understanding of the world. Although in high school I played sort of counselor and therapist to Mm -hmm. everybody. And that was always the role I was playing, no matter what job I took. And so I came to Los Angeles and I was in media um, for the latter part of my 20s. And then I was in a very toxic relationship that blew up in my face. Um, And I was like, uh, and so my parents were like, do you want to go to law school? And I was like, no, I, you know, I think psychology. And so they were like, well, you go to an Ivy League school. That was like, what, you know, that's what you do. Um, or at least like a, a very well-regarded private university. And I stumbled upon this program in Santa Monica and it was spiritual psychology. And my parents thought I was nuts. Of course. And I was like, I don't even know. I just, something about this resonates with me. I have to do this program. And it's not a, it wasn't a classic program. So I wasn't going to come out and get an MFT. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was just drawn to it. And so I signed up. And started that journey in 2010. And then when I graduated, I did a three, the three-year master's program in consciousness, health, and healing. And I graduated. Well, well going back yeah. to the first program, is did you incorporate astrology into that? Because it was kind of like a self-curriculum, so it was separate. It's separate. So, in, so it, um, where I got my master's, it was learning tools for facilitation, and what made it so powerful is that you were your own case Subject. study. And then yeah. so were you, so were your fellow students. And so there, it wasn't, it wasn't in the head, right? Yeah. It was like you had experiential knowing. And I came out of that and I was, I was working in tech and educational technology. And I thought, okay, let me develop platforms for children to understand their emotional awareness. And I came up with this whole project and a friend said to me, why don't you just be that project? Like, why don't you incorporate your astrology? Right. And just create your own thing. And I thought, yeah, why don't I? <laughs> and so that, and that just kind of, it came from that. And then concurrently, I met the owner of Unplug Meditation, yes. your mutual friend. Mm-hmm. And I started teaching there and teaching meditation there. And it all just kind of came together. And so I've been doing that since two, since 2014. So now three years. So bringing the astrology back into it, did you predict that something like this would happen? Do you use it to predict things? I don't. Well, I have a sort of time frame. So, for example, when I decided to go back to school, it was my Saturn return. Okay. So, I, you know, I knew that change was coming. I knew that I had enough aware, you know, I knew that. Saturn was at the bottom of my chart, that I was going to, on a 14-year climb to the top of my chart, that I was in a skill-collecting phase. Um, But I think having been raised the way I was raised, I was very reluctant to come out of the astrology closet. Mm -hmm. I mean, because 
it was considered, I mean, it's considered really kooky. Right. Well, so so is everything that we do. Even, even the, you know, um, seemingly mundane is very kooky to me that that's what we've appreciate. That's what we appreciate as being normal is, is the mundane. And, and it's just kind of been this like culturally, okay, we can accept that, but we have a problem with someone saying, here's information and data perceived through the structure of our stars in the, in our universe. And maybe that has information for us too, as a tool, like all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, you know, like what's definitely better is, is the fact that humans have constructed like what it means to be successful or productive. Like, absolutely not, not, it's not working anymore. And I think that that's why more and more people like us are are just coming out of our spiritual closets, like ready to just say what we're interested in and what we're learning about, because it's all we're all doing any, anyway. Right. Completely. And I mean that, and that took some work on my part to slough off the conditioning that had kept me back. Um, and, and to be really honest about myself and, you know, the idea of, uh, fitting in was never something that I was comfortable with anyway. So it was more, it was more, is this, um, how am I going to explain this to the world that I came from? And then I just stopped and I stopped caring Mm -hmm. and I just didn't not to be crude. I just stopped giving a shit. And then I, and then from that, I was like, I really, I'm helping people and that's enough. And then I just followed it and it just, the practice deepened on its own. And I just found that it was a language that I understood. And so I had I had the experience of my masters and then I thought, okay, well I have all this knowledge of astrology and I have this psychological perspective on the world that I've always had. And I've always kind of had this ability to tune into people's emotional patterning and psychological patterning in terms of, especially in terms of dynamics, relational dynamics. I think because as a little girl, I would always look around and go, what's happening in this relationship? What's happening between these people? Mm -hmm. And I was a, I was a voracious reader Mm -hmm. of literature and literature is a window into someone's psyche. Right. Right. So I just kind of, it, it was, I had started taking French when I was in fourth grade and I took French into college and I I don't know, I could probably say je t'aime, like there's no, (laughs) it just did not stick. (laughs) Right. Astrology just stuck. There was just, I can just look at a chart and see something and I don't, I I don't even know that I could break it down Mm -hmm. and explain the mechanics of it, but I just look at a chart and I see a whole person. Yes. So what, so and this is to me how most things work. Most things work as a combination of what learned information and then intuition. And there's really just no other way to put it that, you know, um, when I'm coaching people or when I'm talking to people who I'm not coaching, there's information that's present that maybe that person doesn't have an awareness of that, it's my, I know in that moment, it's my role and purpose to make them aware of it. Yeah. It's just because otherwise, why would it be coming to me? And, and it feels so much more authentic to say something like, well, you know, I'm kind of 
I'm like directing you towards this product or, or towards this person or this healer or whatever, rather than, you know, um, just being what makes the other person comfortable. And I think that that's what you and I were talking about before we even started this conversation is that like we've needed to step into an authentic expression of what is real in this moment, what is coming through in this moment and then being okay expressing that. Yeah. And, and recognizing that it, everything starts with our relationship to ourself, everything. Right. And so most of us are conditioned, no matter where we're raised, we're conditioned to look outside of ourselves for satisfaction or for fulfillment, right. Rather taught to seek out, um, status or religion or, um, some kind of relationship, all the movies, you know, it's, it's lessened now, but the movies that certainly we were raised on, right. Are about that relationships going to fulfill you. Mm -hmm. That experience is going to fulfill you instead of first connecting with our most inner self. And then from that place, choosing into things, yeah, endeavors, relationships, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, we also teach what we need to learn. Right. Well, I, I mean, like what you had just said right before, like we teach what we need to learn was like we need to take a pause on that because it's so big and significant. And um, it's like for me, if I'm if I'm using my life as an example, it's it's like you know, I, I'm in the point of my life, which I want you to explain to people what it means to be in the, a Saturn return, but I'm in this point or this, um, this crossroads where I've created up into the, in, up until this point, a lot of what I've created has felt authentically me in terms of my interests, but Perhaps some of the accommodations that I've made have been to achieve what other people feel is correct. You know, some of the mm-hmm. routes that I've taken or um, roads that I've gone down in terms of exploration opportunities and things like that may have been um, geared by someone outside of me. And so now I'm in this point where, yes. I would love to just say, okay, everything from this point on is all about me and all about what feels good and all about what resonates and like totally wish. But there's a process of releasing how it has um, programmed into my body, into my physical body, those things, so that I can, it's almost like I have to like uh, download a new software. Mm -hmm. And my my body is the computer Mm -hmm. to know how to navigate from this new um, heightened level of awareness. Yeah. So what, so I'm just going to backtrack and talk a little bit about the Saturn return and what that means. So everything you're experiencing is right on time for that. So Saturn takes about 20 and a half years to go around the Zodiac. So around that time in our life, we experience what's called the Saturn return. Saturn, we experience Saturn transits every seven years. If you think of a child and a child's development at seven, they've developed a core sense of self, 
right? And there's a beginning of the separation on the physical level from the parent, the child's in school, right? 14 is adolescence. There's a psychological, the beginning of a psychological individuation. By 21, usually the child is at least on the way out of the home or out of the home and now beginning to navigate the world. And then by 20, 29, they've been out of the house or engage with the larger world for at least seven years. So we come up, that's why when we hit 30, we experience a thing of like, oh my God, oh my God, right? Mm -hmm. We're an adult. But that tends to ease up once the Saturn return passes. And the time of the Saturn return is a crisis point. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just often we experience a need to up level or restructure. If we've been in a relationship for a long time that isn't working, that relationship will break up. Um, we may get married and solidify a relationship. We may get a promotion or we may choose a whole new career, um, that feels more authentic, but it's really the time in our life when we start to question what we want our life to really be about on our own terms and talking about a new operating system, you know, a lot of it becomes sloughing off. Like I said before, the conditioning that we're raised with. And then finding our own authentic voice. And the other thing is, is just because it feels good doesn't mean something is right, right? We've, we, there's, I think, a misunderstanding in the spiritual community um, or wellness community that things are supposed to feel good all the time. <laughs> it's not true, you know? How, you don't What's really coming to know. mind for you? You know, in terms of like... Um, these things are very, very nuanced, but let's say in relationship, right? We think we're so, we're becoming, our attention spans are becoming so short that we think, oh, this relationship isn't working because <laughs> where it just doesn't feel good anymore. Right. Instead of saying, okay, well, there's a communication issue here. What's happening inside of me? What's being triggered? Um, what's happening inside the other person? What's being triggered? And how can we come to a deeper understanding? Right? I love this. This is important. It's really important. And, you know, what I love about astrology and the, the way that I use it is to deepen people's self-awareness and also their level of personal responsibility. Because often we, we think, oh, I feel this way because that person or I feel this way because um, my work environment or I feel this way because instead of saying, huh, that's a window into my subconscious that has a belief system that is projecting that out. So I'm calling it back in and how can I, what is here for me to learn and grow? Right? So how am I communicating my needs? And often in order to go through this process and deeper, deepen in levels of intimacy, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable and it doesn't always feel good, but on the other side is a deeper sense of, um, self. And the other thing is, you know, Saturn, we're talking about Saturn and that planet, it rewards mastery and it rewards smart work. And I specifically said smart work, not hard work, because mm -hmm. it's the effort put into something. And, you know, they've done all kinds of studies on children. And when children are, are praised for their performance, they actually don't succeed as well as those who are praised on their effort. Interesting. Right. So the idea of grit, 
the idea of resilience. These are the, the biggest signifiers for success in life. And so in order to do that, in order to have that, you know, you really have to move out of a victim consciousness or mm-hmm. a blame consciousness and say, okay, well, what, what's my part in this? What's my participation? Right. Really be willing to look at it from not only another perspective, and that's every, I mean, so many things are coming to mind as you're talking about this, but um, not only another perspective, but um, a way that maybe you, you haven't looked at anything before. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, often we look outside of ourselves, right? So all of a sudden when we start looking inward, it we have a whole new lens on and it can be jarring. Oh my God, that's right. That's my behavior pattern. Mm-hmm. That's within me. Mm-hmm. The The reason I keep choosing similar partners is I'm I'm the most similar part. I bring myself <laughs> to every single one of these relationships. Yes. I'm attracting this kind of person over and over again. Yes. What lesson am I not learning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then sometimes when you can figure out what that is, it will change the dynamic of the relationship or the relationship will end. Absolutely. And then it's become, because when we're not aware of something, it has a greater hold on us. Okay, that's interesting because and I think I brought some things up like that in my reading particularly, but if we are how do we how do we broaden our sense of awareness? If you're unaware of something, how do you become aware of it? What are some of the things that like help tap you into maybe what you're not seeing? Okay, so that great question. The first is what annoys me and irritates me. Ah, <sighs> cool. Okay, and then we go, okay, that's irritating to me. How, A, how am I doing that to myself on a subtler level? Here's a prime example, because this comes up all the time with clients or just in life, right? That person didn't show up for me, right? The person could be X, Y, or Z. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter, right? That person didn't show up for me. Are you showing up for you? Oh, inevitably, when I ask that question. The answer um, is now. The person, Yeah. And then the person goes, oh, so then it becomes a boundary issue, right? So, so often we think, oh, we need to behave in a certain way, or we need to accept a certain level of behavior, um, or we, or we won't get what we need. Um, and so we tolerate less than we deserve, Mm -hmm. but we, all of that is coming from a place of lack. And all of that is coming from a place where the individual isn't honoring themselves. Right. Because if you were honoring yourself and had a sense of what you needed to create that space around you, then really the external doesn't affect you. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, even if it does, it's not going to have a charge. Yeah. Interesting. It's not going to be activating to the point um, where you feel out of control. Interesting. Okay. So the question was, how do you... Like, what are some ways in which you change your awareness? Okay, so we said things that are charging or triggering, things that are annoying um, are a great way. But I'm going into, like, kind of where I've been for the past month. And I wouldn't say that triggered is the emotion or the feeling. I would say that it's something more along the lines of um, – 
experiencing a void from a place of many highs and lows Mm -hmm. that um, navigation-wise feels like I'm just traveling in a circle. (laughs) That's the only way I can describe it in this moment. Well, let's talk about the lows because the lows are a trigger. Yes. So the lows have been kind of – and and actually, I've been wanting to talk about this on the podcast as well. I told you that I had a really big trip on weed, on edibles, when I went to Denver. And um, that experience was like unlike anything I'd ever, ever experienced. And I experienced in that time the the scariest, most frightening reality available I experienced a dreamlike state, which also wasn't very comfortable. Um, But then I also experienced what seemed to be uh, so many different perspectives of what we perceive to be our reality, which showed me that we really don't know what reality is. And from there, um, you know, my emotions have been mostly just kind of um, stable and then you know, a little depressing. And then, um, that's, that's what I would say just to kind of not, not go, um, too far away from like the focus point. I would just say that they've kind of gone from stable to a little depressing and during this past month. Um, and again, I was experiencing this before the trip, but I also feel that the trip, um, exacerbated this motion in a way that I'm, I am thankful for, but was very, um, life-changing. So what, I mean, what you're describing is a spiritual awakening. So what starts to happen is all the sediment that had been, um, sitting there starts to get shaken up and it needs to come out. It's kind of like how, when you get a cold, it's like the accumulation of a virus, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be, it needs to be expressed and let out and you just need to get out. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same way. It's, it's stuck emotion that hadn't given, hadn't been given up space to really express itself. You're absolutely right. Yes. So that's different than a trigger because a trigger will call forward in uh, a wound from the past that's being reactivated often, right? But what you're referring to is what happens when you start to wake up and, you know, open your perspective, all that stuck energy needs a place to go. All mm-hmm. the energy that had been keeping you um, locked, in some kind of pattern mm-hmm. needs to come up and out. And again, during that period, it's not comfortable. It's also, it can feel like a dark night of the soul. Some people call it a dark night of the ego. And all of that is on purpose. Mm-hmm. But again, it can feel uncomfortable. I mean, Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body, right? Yes. It's the idea of like being physically incarnated. I mean, there's also an element where it's very easy to leave the body. And anybody who's experienced trauma as a child often leaves the body. And then as an adult, there's a disconnect, especially with the lower three chakras, Mm -hmm. Um, even though their upper chakras may be heightened, they may be very tapped in Mm -hmm. their own ability to manifest their own core belief in themselves um, got shut off as a child. And so a lot of the work also I do is help people 
navigate themselves back into themselves. Yeah, this is a really important part of the conversation because I can absolutely confirm that that like even physically, the lower part of my body, my hormones, things like that have been traditionally where there's been no stability. And up until this point, um, I really hadn't, you know, it, it, it almost took like a combination of me just saying like, I'm going to start doing things for myself. I'm going to start like experimenting with myself. I'm going to actually like give myself a chance to to sit in a therapist's office and just see what comes up, even though like, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it may seem kind of fruitless because, you know, I have these great, amazing conversations. I have, um, you know, externally this great life, but showing up for that, showing up for rolfing, show, having an acupuncture session, it's like the, the decision to do these things all at this time, all etched into something that was ready to come out, come up, come out, whatever, um, have a session with you. Like all of these things are, are bringing to the surface exactly what you're saying. Um, and it's interesting because I would say that my intuition has guided this process as well. Mm -hmm. Like it certainly was. Yeah. Ready. Like, it was like a decision outside of me almost in a way for me. Like, you know, if it's the time of your Saturn return, then it would make sense, I guess, for your intuition to guide you to a place of kicking all this shit up. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's again, it's getting in touch with the core, which is the emotional root. So it's not, it's the physical component is very important. Um, and that's an access point. It's a gateway. Um, but none of that is going to do the emotional work for you in order to set the boundaries that are based on core self-worth. Interesting. So it, you know, it's a step-by-step process, but really recognize, you know, anger isn't bad. Anger is just an indication that one's boundaries have been crossed. It's what we do with the anger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, what I, I'm a huge fan of raw thing. I, it was a game changer for me. So I, I am a huge belief. I'm a huge believer. In, and what that does is it gets down into the fascia. And in doing that, there's a deeper level of embodiment. Mm-hmm. And from that place, you feel more grounded. And from that place, you're able to make decisions that are less about grasping and reaching and more about remaining anchored in oneself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because the grounded aspect is really important because it's not operating from that um, flighty, sort of airy, um, disconnected point of view. It's having this information from all these experiences, but still being grounded in the physical body, being grounded on the earth. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, so there's also a... uh, a huge difference between wishful thinking and manifesting, right? So a really dear friend of mine who I absolutely love, I don't know if, if, um, your listeners know her, I'm sure they do, but Lacey Phillips, a free native, Yes, mm-hmm. right? She is, she is phenomenal on this subject, right? She, it's like 
her perspective is incredibly, incredibly grounded in that way in terms of manifestation, Mm -hmm. because a lot of what's happened in the, in again, the sort of spiritual communities, there is this idea that if I just think it, Mm -hmm. it'll be true. (laughs) Nope. No, it doesn't work like that because our subconscious and our core beliefs, actually that's where we manifest from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you don't feel worthy of a relationship, you can go on 75 dates, but if you don't feel worthy of experiencing intimacy and sharing who you are at a core level, you're not going to call in the soul level relationship or partnership that you're going to crave. That's wonderful because it's saying that you can't work your way on the physical plane. You cannot work your way to what you want. You can't sign up for 75 Tinder dates and just accept that, okay, well, because I'm going on a date every single day this month, I'm going to find my husband. It's that's not like, that's not taking into consideration any law of the universe. It's just saying like, okay, like, you know, we've accepted that hard work equates to some, some level of success. If that, if we begin looking at our, what our belief systems and we can say like, uh, it's maybe not true, then you're beginning to crack open the possibilities of something else being true. And, and so I love that you brought up the topic of manifestation because it's so interesting, but I wonder, you know, with these, um, processes, are we still f- like, are we just creating a new morphic field around, um, achieving what we want based on how someone else has, um, defined that process? Like, that's, I mean, that's super interesting. I mean, I think when it comes to astrology, because this is, this is the topic of the, the podcast and just to bring that back around the thing that I, the number one reason why I love what I do and why I love astrology is because so many of us fight who we are, right? We fight who we are. So I'll, I'll have, for example, I'll have female clients who are, um, very driven, uh, very assertive, um, uh, maybe have very strongly extroverted personalities and they'll come to me and they'll just be like, I know I have to be demure, demure in order to call in a partner. I was like, says who the fuck is that? Right? Like, and so it's like, this is your chart. This is how you're wired. You have like five planets in fire. You have to be who you are mm-hmm. and you're going to call in the right partner. You have to Amazing. be who you are and you're going to call in the opportunities that you want in order to progress your career. But we have it in our heads, you know, that if I'm more like this, if I change who I am, I'm going to get what I want. Um, no, it doesn't work like that. God, that's why I, I love what you do so much because it, the, so few things are focused clearly on the individual they that's not where a lot of healing in our western world comes from it doesn't come from you know let's look at the individual and what that person um embodies and what that person enjoys and all of those things we're saying we're trying to fit a program onto an individual where that program 
may be the complete opposite of what that individual needs. So yeah, the, I mean, I just, it's su- that is such a good example of how having and accumulating information on your own behalf through experiences, through readings, through uh, therapy, through movement, whatever, is so integral in the creation process. And at the same time, going back to what you said earlier, is not always comfortable because that process is also an unlearning of everything that you've assumed to be true up until this point. Like, I need to be demure to find uh, the kind of husband I want. Is that true? No. What's important? What's important is expressing and, and becoming who you are. Exactly. And, and, you know, that speaks to a deeper truth, which is nothing outside of you is going to make you happy. So anything that, that people want to manifest also, often they want to manifest something from their head, but the maintenance of that thing, right? So for example, I'll have someone come to me and their chart is highly independent and they're like, but I want a relationship. They may. And I was like, okay, so now in order to have a relationship, you have to surrender some personal space, right? <laughs> yes. You do. You st- it's another body. <laughs> right. I mean, there's, 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 um, degrees, right? Like some relationships work where people live separately, but you do have to find a compromise, right? Yes. If you want a relationship and you know, you don't want to look at yourself. Well, a relationship is going to confront you with yourself, right? Right. So if you want a house, you have to pay property taxes on that house. Right. You have to maintain income in order to pay those property taxes and whatever other maintenance that house needs. So often we focus on the thing, but not on the process, which is so often the case, right? We, we focus on the destination, but not on the journey. Okay. So if we are in the place of saying, I want a relationship and yet we're not in a place that, um, in our lives where we're saying something like, um, you know, I'm willing to not have that personal space or if we're, we're, it's almost like we're not honoring again, it's just a separation from what is true and authentic in that moment. Like we may have just always thought, okay, well, I want a house. So you, like you're saying, you're, you're saying, okay, um, you, you do you have like income to pay for this house? Do you have like the capacity to project manage all the the things that are going to come up with, you know, it's basically like a little mini business when you mm-hmm. when you do like do you have those that stability or do you just want a house because you think that you want a house because you're 30 and other people say that it's a good time to buy a house? Right. Or do you even want a house or do you really want to be traveling yes. and really just have to pay rent and not have to manage that? Ha- yeah. you know, so I think there's, we get stuck on these ideas of what we think we need. And it's like, well, what actually would make me happy? And that's what the, what, how actually am I wired? And I think, you know, that kind of nuance and texture can be seen in a chart. And that's what I love looking at. Yeah. Right? I love so, that helping people discover who they are. So they make choices from an honest, authentic place inside them. And then they'll manifest much quicker anyway, because it's not conceptual. It's deeply felt. Yeah. I look and at, in alignment. I look at that like, um, 
you know, when you have all this personal shit to work through, you really don't know who you are. You're traveling through other people's belief systems and, and what they are projecting that they want for you. It's like the journey to where you want to go is so convoluted. And it's like through a, um, a pipe that's, that has like all this gunk in it. Whereas like you taking the time to kind of, um, ground up this, this personal information, really clears that pipeline, allows you to see through it, and you can find from there a straight shot to what you want. It's like exactly what you're saying, just that the the manifestation process just becomes so smooth at that point. Yeah, because it's clearer. It's like everything that I'm saying is I've gone through my own journey around it. You know, I was in toxic relationships with um unavailable men. And then I was like, Oh, newsflash, I'm unavailable. Yeah. Maybe I should dig in and do this work. And I did years of this work and really focused and then, um, kind of let the, the idea go. And whenever I felt someone was supposed to show up, supposed to show up and I was sitting in a coffee shop and my now partner walked in and it was like, (laughs) Oh, there you are. And he's radically different from anybody I'd ever dated. And he, you know, I, I love him very deeply, but it's like, it's, it's just like, oh, and I never would have been able, there's no way I would have been able to, to be in the level and depth of relationship that I'm in, um, previously had I not done the work. So how do you advise a lot of the people that you work with, you know, the person who's saying, I want that relationship or I want that house. And you're like, well, your chart's a little not in alignment with that. How do you advise whether to have them kind of work through the discomfort of it and maybe just say, um, well, you know, maybe this isn't the right path for you? Well, I do believe there's a pot for every lid. I think it's being honest about the kind of relationship you want. So for example, if I have someone who has a ton of planets in Aquarius, they're going to need a friendship based relationship. They're going to need a lot of personal space. They're going to have to give up some personal space, but they're going to need freedom of expression and freedom of movement. If I have someone who has five planets in Scorpio, they're going to like, it's going to be a deeply psychologically entangled relationship. Right. So it's more, it's a looking at the, like the gradations of like what that relationship, what kind of relationship would be most authentic for each individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of, I just brought up the the purchasing of a house, but it's going to be very different to someone who's Taurus and likes to build and um, is security minded than someone who has a ton of planets in Sagittarius where it's like maybe they need a landing pad and a place to put their stuff, but they're going to need to, they're going to need movement, right? The purpose of the thing shifts based on the makeup of the individual, Interesting. This is telling me that I need to go ahead and schedule another hour <laughs> with you because I'm like, I need, I need my, um, my reading on, you know, purchasing property, business, all these things. And just kind of, because there are so many nuances to a person, which would mean that there are so many nuances to how that person, uh, can navigate this world. So, but just like kind of a side note of what you were saying. So, Give me the the way in which you look at an astrological chart in saying that, like, because many people who are listening may be saying, 
I'm a Leo. Like, what does that mean (laughs) in terms of the fact that you just said, like, we have five planets in Sagittarius, whatever. Like, so what's the, what's kind of the, the dumbified version or the breakdown of how you have to look at your chart? So just to explain, a natal chart is a snapshot of the sky the moment you were born. And it's divided into 12 pie slices, essentially. Okay. And those pie slices are called houses. And each of them represent a different aspect of life. Interesting. So the first house is personal identity. Second house is earned income, self-esteem. Third house is communication, siblings, and community, et cetera, and so forth. And then there are 10 celestial bodies, main celestial bodies, with two, the, including the two luminaries, the sun and the moon. Where those are placed, what signs they're in, what geometric aspects they're making to one another comprises the individual. It's very layered. So when someone's like, I'm a Leo, <laughs> right? I'm told that there's no way that I am going to, you know, get along with the Pisces. It's like, first of all, that is beyond reductive and not true. Mm-hmm. I've said this before. I feel like 75% of my clients, first time clients come to me and it's like, they've been astrologically traumatized. Yes. <laughs> and I have to like retrain because, you know, people get these ideas in their head. They're like, I mean, someone, this happens all the time. Someone told me that my boyfriend has this signature in their, in his chart that means he's a cheater. Mm-hmm. Like, Do you think you're perfect? So I'm like, <laughs> first of all, every sign has the capacity to cheat. Yeah. Every sign has the capacity to be, um, have integrity and be honest. Right. Yes. So, and it's very layered and complex because you're dealing with the relationship to the other planets and where the placement is. And so I look at that. Um, and then I, and then all I can say is a whole person emergence. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is, you know, this individual, for example, is, um, very generous, uh, but to others, but lacks generosity to themselves. And, you know, but in they come that results because they come from a family with this patterning, et cetera. Like the whole thing just emerges. I just have to sit with it for a second and Mm -hmm. then a person emerges. And then I help, I help the client see that. I mean, the thing, the benefit of it, I think that that's different from classic uh, therapy is that, um, you know, a therapist, it, can't out of the gate say you are you enjoy power dynamics in relationships and how's that working out (laughs) yeah you know what I mean because they don't they don't have enough information because the person hasn't told them enough stories or whatever to put that thread together but I can look at a chart and I can say oh you have Venus opposite Pluto you are really drawn to power dynamics this is interesting like interesting how does that play out and, you know, how is that manifesting in your life? And then it's like, oh, then we can go right into that. So at different times in someone's life, are you seeing a different expression of that chart? That can, that can certainly happen with transits, which are wherever the sky is now, where the planets are in the sky now, where the geometrical aspect it makes to aspects in your chart or signatures in your chart. It's, it's, Damn. it's complex. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so it's it's complex. But back to something that we said at the beginning, which was that this is all all of this work is a combination of intellect and informed knowledge, learned knowledge, and also a, a capacity for you, the reader, the healer, to connect. Yeah, and, and just, receive and the information. Compassion. Yeah, also compassion. 
Um, and I think that I, you know, I really continue and do my best to work on myself and look at my own shadow and take responsibility. And I'm always growing, um, which I think is really important that healers heal themselves and continue to heal themselves and, um, take personal responsibility, mm-hmm. you know? So, but my approach is definitely grounded. Definitely. I'm like, how is this information useful? Yes. Definitely. And it, it also comes from a place of like the compassion component was really important because, um, you know, when healers and readers aren't working on themselves, they have a lot of, from my, this is from my experience, there's a lot of ego based, I need to tell you something to make you feel something. Yeah. And a lot of times I'm like, you know, this is, life is messy. Yeah. It's not a straight line and there's peaks and there's valleys and ultimately it's a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. And you know, that's not always what people want to hear. They want to hear, well, you know, (laughs) tell me, tell me to move across the country. Tell me to break up with my boyfriend. Tell me to quit my job. Like, and absolutely like you're saying no. Right. And so the first response to the first question would be wherever you go, there you are. So yes, like an environment may be better suited for you. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, if you're in Los Angeles and you absolutely hate sun, maybe the Pacific Northwest is a better environment, but ultimately wherever you go, there you are. Um, So looking at that and, you know, breaking up with your boyfriend, if it's, if it's absolutely not working and you're incompatible, yes. Um, Is it the type of thing where you're going to run into the exact same person with a different face? and have to work with those underlying issues, you know? So it's, I mean, these things are nuanced and that's the other thing. It's like, we're always looking for formulas and there are no formulas. Yeah. There's just, um, there's forks in the road, but I also think we get hung up on the idea of a fork in the road. Like if I, the sliding doors thing, that show, that movie with one of Paltrow, it's like, if I, if I get on the train, then my life goes this way. Yes. I don't get on the, and I think we, we mythologize that. Yes. To the point of lacking agency in our own lives. Like I absolutely believe in fate and I believe in free will. I think yeah. the ancient Greeks had it right. Right. So I think there's certain things that we're mess destined to experience. Mm-hmm. And I think there's certain, certain people we're destined to meet. Interesting. But then what do we do with that? Like that's right. So we may be destined to meet a person but if we're romantically, but if we're not open to the relationship on a deeper level, Right. I do kind of believe if it's meant to be, there's nothing you can kind of do. I mean, that person's meant to be in your life. But I but I think ultimately, yeah, I think also we have this master addiction of control. Yeah. And so it's like if if I do it this way, then this will happen. And it's like, ha ha. No, no, no. Right. It's like it's we only have so much control. Yes. Yeah. So surrender, letting go. And that comes into play with what you were helping me with yesterday too. You know, there's definitely this tendency like kind of when it seems like things are different or things are changing. Um, you know, I could never talk to my family about the the way that I've been feeling recently, if I'm being honest. Like it's it's because there's this like response that comes up with people that it's like the discomfort is uncomfortable for them. And, and they also feel like maybe the disc, the discomfort is not 
productive or not important. So like, how do we change your experience so that what you're experiencing is, is only glee and joy when it might sound crazy, but I've actually really enjoyed this time of kind of this depressing feelings and, and, um, ups and downs because I feel like I'm learning something about myself. I feel like I'm alive. I feel like I'm seeing the world in a different way. And even though it's not giving me an answer for certain things that, you know, I wish I had answers for, especially relating to business and, you know, which I've tied so much of my self-worth into back to that being the core of everything, like you said. Um, but just, you know, um, I don't know, just being okay with, with this time as it is, has been really important and letting go of the control of, okay, um, you know, I have to do this to feel like I'm a part of the world or society or my friends or whatever. No, I actually really need to experience this just as it is. Um, and, and I'm fortunate to have people like you in my life who support that. And it's, you know, it's, because you're gaining intimacy with yourself and a deepening and, you know, families often they have a vested interest, right? So often what happens is that the child's happiness, um, they're, they're able to, parents are sometimes able to access their own happiness only when they feel that their child is happy or a way in which the child can have breathing room to process their own emotions. And it's, it's very common. There's a book and I can, I I'm blanking on the author's name and she's incredibly famous. So I, I, but the book is the drama of the gifted child. Perfect. Um, it's, It's really all about, um, when the child becomes the focal point of, and also when the child isn't given the proper room and space to feel their feelings and um, develop into their own person. Hmm. And they become performance-based in a lot of ways. I mean, there, there's so many layers to it, but that's an incredible book about what happens to children when they feel the need to compensate or... For their parents. Be, yeah, or be a certain way. To make their parents feel good. Yeah. Which I think that, you know... I definitely think that many children probably do that. And I always think about this. I'm always like, if I were ever to be a parent, I want to be the type of parent that was like in the fifties. It's, I can't imagine how painful it would be to be so tied into the, the emotions of your child. I can't even, I'm like learning how to just handle my emotions at 29, how the hell can I take, how the hell would I be able to take responsibility for another person's emotions and to feel them as deeply as I I can see like so many parents feel that. I just can't even imagine like what feels most comfortable for me. And I say that of course, with only a pit bull as a child would be, you know, being on a porch, smoking a cigarette, having a drink (laughs) and just like, you know, hope you stay alive for 20, <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> I'm like but, hoping for the best. <laughs> but I mean, I think there, I think there's, you know, there's a, there's a way in which like get on their bikes and then come home at the end of the day. Like there's this, 
there's this way in which everything has become so precious, right? And we see that with food. We see that with everything. It's like it's become so precious. And if we don't do it perfectly, then it's not okay. And it's just it's just another form of control. Yeah. When life, so right. life is messy, yeah. things are complicated, and there's a there's a letting go and a surrender that needs to happen. And, um, you know, I definitely, I mean, I'm really, I, I eat really clean. I, but I also like, I definitely ate lucky charms as a kid and I'm okay. I'm like a really (laughs) healthy person. You know what I mean? Like I just, you know, I think that there's a way in which we can get so wrapped up that everything has to be perfect. Um, and it's like, okay, but also playing in the dirt is how you develop an immune system. Yes. Oh, my God. Right? Yes. I mean, like, I remember I told my my mother is a clean freak, right? Like, she, like, literally, she washed basketballs in the washing machine. She's bananas. Oh, my She's God. She's OCD. And I remember <laughs> telling my boyfriend that, like, she she bathed me twice a day. I'm one of four, but she like bathed me twice a day. And like, I would like try on clothes. And if I tried them on, I went in the water. I mean, she's really OCD. And she laughs about it, but it's insane. And he's like, how do you have such a strong immune system? I even, I don't understand that you're right. such a strong immune system. Like, I, I, I don't understand how you're not sick 24 seven. And I don't really either. I, I think it's just because I grew up in New York City. Yes, like yes. if I hadn't grown <laughs> up in New York City, I would. But I just, I like, you know, that kind of, and maybe it's like I say things are messy and all of that is I'm sure it's a reaction formation to my mother in that way. But I just, you know, on a metaphorical level, but I just think that you can't, there's so much you can't control and to live like that is so debilitating. It's never, like I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, um, addict, so I can, I'm lucky and fortunate. I can have a half a glass of wine and just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but like I, I like having steak free with like a half a glass of red wine. Like hell I hell like yeah, that. who doesn't? I'm good with it. Yeah, like, I'm good with that. You know what I mean? So I feel like, and I'm I'm really healthy. Yes, of course. You know, like my hormones are all, you know, their the numbers are really good. Like I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing well. So I feel like that, and maybe I'm fortunate in that way. But I just think we get to a place where we're so mentally contained and constrained. Yeah. No, I think you have a healthy perspective. And so like, that's what's integrated into your life, um, where you can have fun, be free, tap into, uh, you know, maybe the healthiest meal with all organic ingredients that day is not what you on an energetic level wants. And so even just even consuming that just for the sake of, okay, well, it's healthy to me is less healthy than you saying, you know what, steak free wine night. That's what's, that's what's up in, in, in this body (laughs) and enjoying it fully. Like that to me is the experience of health and wellness and well-being. More yeah, and so. I also, it comp- I mean, that's, that's how I feel. I also, I'm a big believer, you know, that study with water and like, it's loved. love. Yeah. And so like, it's the molecules change. Like I really feel a, a meal made with love. Like if the ingredients aren't, aren't organic, but the meal is made with love. I don't know. I really feel like that translates and maybe like I'm, I'm fooling myself, but I would rather eat something that was, you know, heart was invested into it and the chef or friend really loved putting it together and the ingredients aren't like the, I just, yeah, that's more my belief system. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've lived all worlds, obviously like I've, you know, 
I've been to a, a green juice institution, a, you know, actually where like there was green juice in the eyeballs, up the butt, <laughs> like in the vagina, everywhere, you know, and I've definitely done that. And I can say with so much assertion that while I am lucky and fortunate and do appreciate having my juices and amazingly high vibrational organic food that is made with love available all the time, I would, it's not as fun as, as, um, it, it wasn't fun when I was in that place. And I was like, I have to live on this every meal of every day. Um, because it's the highest quality. Um, it's the, it's the highest vibration. This is what, no, like what works for me and what, what makes the business fun is me getting to use these amazing products as tools. You know, like I now know when I need a particular juice, I now know when I need a warm tea and I'm not like base. And I'm not saying at the same time that like, there isn't going to be a donut that happens or doesn't happen like in the month. Like who gives a shit? Like we're, we're just like wanting to experience and have fun. And like, I think the more that we can let go of what we've thought we needed to program into ourselves, the more um, compassionate we become on this planet, I think. Yeah, because the more compassionate and forgiving we are of ourselves, the more also finding humor in things. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes I'm just like, I, I laugh at myself and like the, you know, that I, I literally talk about feelings all day. I mean, I love feelings and I can talk about them all day, but like I, you know, or like laughing at myself that like, oh my God, I became a psychological astrologer. Like how the hell did that happen? Like I think finding the levity in it and not taking everything so seriously and not being so precious about everything, it just, that relaxes the body, which relaxes the digestive system which helps our body digest food better. So true. If we're relaxed, like if we're super worked up and anxious all the time, but we're only having green juice, like the body is going to respond. It yes. has high stress levels. Yes, it absolutely will. I can give you a list of physical symptoms that it will respond with. Lots of right? fun ones, like yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of fun ones, which I'll say in another podcast, <laughs> you know, but, um, but this is this is nicely like rolling into. Um, I'm wondering if you have uh, an insight or a perspective of kind of the trajectory of where, as like kind of a community of people, I think that you know who you're talking to, like with this podcast, and just um, maybe just kind of tuning into the messaging of the universe of the stars, whatever feels right to you, and just saying like kind of what. Um, what feels like something that, that we might want to look at like these next couple of months or year even? So 2016, 2017 was, um, about illusion and then the dropping of the veil, right? Um, what's real things becoming increasingly transparent. Um, obviously we've seen, um, what's happened with, all of these sexual assault cases. It seems like there's a tipping point. People are being exposed at a more rapid rate. Um, what we're going to move into in terms of 2018 is going to be, I chose the word grit as the year of the, as the word of the year in 2018. I think there's going to be a grounding down. So I think things that feel inflated or um, boastful or are just going to lose their, 
um, their appeal. And instead, what's going to become more appealing is depth. Interesting. Groundedness. Um, things that have uh, long-term value. Wonderful. Things that deepen. So that's sort of the trajectory for 2018. As we move closer to 2020, 2020, we're going to see a pileup of planets in Capricorn. The last time this happened was the late 80s and early 90s. That was when the Berlin Wall fell. And, the you know, we are coming up on the Saturn anniversary of that. And I think it's going to be a very interesting time. I think that there is going to be a similar restructuring. But instead of a collapse of communism, I think there's going to be something in, in regards to capitalism and how it's the greed has gotten out of hand. Interesting. And I think, I think the election was the very first step in that direction. Interesting. I think people are stuck on who got an office and, and all of that, but I think it's actually part of a larger unfolding story. Oh, absolutely. Like the storming of the gates of Versailles type thing. It's doing so much, which yeah. like, you, you know, opinions on it are great. Triggers on the situation are wonderful, but that's a benefit. I see. I see that these things are definitely beneficial. And I love um, I love the idea of 2018 being the year of depth. And I would say as a reminder of some of the things that you've mentioned earlier in the podcast, that that groundedness and that, that grit also has to come in conjunction with um, uh, a reflection on the self, taking care of the self, discovering the self, so that through the process of this work, this, um, this exploration and this, uh, working towards grounded information and grounded stability and foundation building that comes from that, that pure place. And, um, if you could give one more note on how to do these things, because it, it does feel like it may be like a lot of doing, how do you give kind of an, an antidote of, um, also the, the equal importance of balancing the feminine or, or the yin in this process as well? That's interesting because I see it as more of a paying attention and a noticing. Um, I, I mean, I guess it is a doing, but I think it, it's really becoming increasingly aware of one's emotional responses to stimuli and experiences. Okay. So and that's in the being. <laughs> so for example, how do I respond around this person? Am I expanding? Am I contracting? Do I have butterflies in my stomach? Do I feel relaxed? Do I feel the need to defend and justify? Um, do I think about planning out what I'm going to say with this person or do I just let the moment arise? Do I feel safe with this person? Do I, do I share who I am? Um, does my, do, does my voice get more heightened? Does it relax more? Do I, do I speak out of my diaphragm? Like these are all the things that we start to notice around certain people. And in that noticing, we develop a deeper intimacy with ourselves. And then we choose into relationships that are growth oriented. Interesting. Well, I guess, you know, my, who I am, and we've talked about this, is my 
perspective is is kind of um, conditioned to look at, okay, what do I have to do? So I love that that wasn't, that isn't everyone's perception. And, and luckily, because I love the idea of incorporating in accomplishing that sense of observation and that sense of um, evaluation. It's not always, hard work is not always the answer. It's also that, that state of um, internal connection and communication, like what you just described. So I think that's really important. Anything else on that? No, I mean, I think that's where this sort of meditation background comes in really um, handy. It's like it's observing from a neutral place. Is that a particular type of meditation that you teach? Well, I mean, it's mindfulness. Yeah, it's mindfulness. It's awareness of the state of the mind. It's awareness of the state of the emotional center. It's the awareness of the state of the body. Noticing without judgment, allowing it to be what it is. And then um, and then just being in that place of um, observation. What do you often ask your clients to do with that information do you sometimes suggest that they write it down or sometimes suggest that they talk about it like does some of that what you're seeing from a place of mindfulness need to be expressed in some way not necessarily because sometimes just naming the landscape helps to dissolve it um there's something I say all the time in my meditation classes, which is we can never depart a station we've never arrived at. So just the acknowledgement of it can be really powerful. Um, but also, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be expressed. It more just needs to be seen. Acknowledged. And known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because underneath that, you can say, well, is this true? Is this thought true? And underneath the emotion, if it's a, you know, emotion where there's anger or upset, what's the trigger? If there's joy and happiness, ah, what, where'd that come from? Like, what are the circumstances that led to that feeling? It's, it's recognizing that we're dynamic beings. We're so dynamic. And every time you, I mean, when you, and when you begin being open to these, the idea that maybe what you thought was true is not, Um, you recognize that there's always another answer, you know, like, is this true? Not always, sometimes, (laughs) maybe now, maybe not tomorrow, you know, like it's just like, but that constant state of inquiry and being okay with, with that being transitory, with those things changing and evolving, but recognizing in the moment what information or what significance that might have for you. Also amazing and incredibly healing. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like allowing for the complexity and nuance and texture of the human experience and just letting that be what it is. So wonderful. You're so inspiring. I'm so, I'm so inspired by you. I think that you're incredibly intellectual and also so connected to um, this wellness community in a way that your information is empowering and also incredibly healing and shifting. And so I'm so glad that we got to get a little taste of Danielle on, on Raw Talk with Sheena. I'm so glad that you had me. I'm so grateful. I'm so glad that we're connected. Yes. Um, 
I'm going to to list your information because you have so much um, to share. I know you you have your website and your blog, um, but I mean, if I can encourage anyone to have their charts read, if there's something major happening in your life, if there's not, if you want some direction or just some insight, I mean, why the hell not? <laughs> People, do it all. Like, you never know what it might be. Right. And edible yeah. in Denver. Okay. Um, <laughs> anything, but, but no, I thoroughly enjoyed my, my reading with you. You gave me some amazing, um, reading suggestions and I'm really excited to, um, to check back in with you. Like, you know, at the beginning of the year, I really feel confident in, in coming to you with, with kind of, you know, this is, it, it's just, it's a place to be um, with someone who can be there with you and, and maybe um, just help support you when you're, when you're feeling that like kind of overwhelm or anything that's major. And so I can't recommend you enough. And oh. um, I want everyone who's listening to tune into you and, um, and I'm, I'm, we're going to connect again soon for sure. I'm so looking forward to it. So thank you so much, Danielle. I'm going to talk to you again soon. Um, Let's see. Today is November, I think, 17th. Most people will be hearing this at the beginning of next week, right before Thanksgiving. Um, So it might be a good time to tune into some of your meditations also for Thanksgiving week. Just another little (laughs) tip. But anyway, thank you, Danielle. I'll talk to you you. again soon. Have an awesome night. You too. Bye. Bye.